Peace be with you, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Burning Strength Show. I am your host, as always, Father Christopher Cox, and you're listening to the recording of episode 111, and very happy to come to you with this episode, especially because we were on hiatus for a while there, as uh, I attended to a number of things revolving around the Advent season, the Christmas season, and it seemed like even after Christmas, things never really slowed down, at least until right now. And just like a good parent uh, who, you know, always will you know, put his or her kids first, you know, I, I felt like, you know, for me as a priest, you know, my primary responsibility is always to my parish. And as much as I love to to chat with all of you, it's uh, tending to the responsibilities of the parish first. But, you know, uh, for this episode, of course, I've had a lot of different things to, to think about. I've giant list of things I want to talk about, uh, different reviews, different topics, and I thought I would start off by, for the first topic for today, to talk about how my Christmas was, kind of what sort of things were going on, the ups and the downs. I'll give you a spoiler-free review of the TV series on Disney Plus called The Mandalorian, and I'll talk to you a little bit about what's just been going on in the world, vet all sorts of things in politics, and I'll just give you a little bit of my two cents. All right, for our first topic, I'll be talking a little bit about just my experience of the Christmas of 2019. So we just celebrated Christmas a few weeks ago and uh, back into the flow of things here at the parish. seems like we're back to the normal routine before Lent hits. And of course, when it comes time for Lent, the parishes all around the world try to provide a great spiritual experience for uh, the parishioners. But at sometimes at the expense of the staff members, you know, we're, of course, entering into uh, the season of Lent with everybody as well, you know, offering that sacrifice of our time, our, our talent, all sorts of different things so that we could put on great programs for everybody. But at the same time, it tends to make things busier. And uh, sort of, so, you know, we tend to not be able to do a lot of the things that we normally like to do, you know, when it comes to hobbies and stuff like that. But it's always worth it for Jesus Christ, of course. But uh, the same thing kind of happens a little bit around Advent time and Christmas time. You know, a lot of different planning, a lot of end of the year stuff, a lot of uh, things planning for the next semester, and, uh, you know, just trying to figure out all that stuff. And, and of course, you know, we also have the topic of, you know, my own celebrations as a, as a priest with my own family, uh, with friends, and uh, also, you know, kind of talking with other people about Christmas celebrations. So, you know, it really kind of starts, you know, feeling like Christmas when you start to see the Christmas decorations going up, whether you're putting them up yourself or somebody else is putting them up. And here around the church, you know, the church first started decorating right around, uh, of course, for the first week of Advent. So you start getting the trees up, you get the Advent wreath up, and then slowly the manger scene is put up and all sorts of different things are added over the course of the season. 
And then, of course, on Christmas Day, you get all the poinsettia plants. You uh, get the figurines in the uh, the manger scene. Uh, you get all sorts of different fun things right revolving around that. Especially, you know, the baby Jesus is added, you know, on Christmas Day, or at least for the Christmas Eve masses. So. Uh, we have that, of course, as a, a major parish activity. Uh, one of the hats that I wear as a priest here at the parish is I am also the youth minister. We have a brand new youth room that we first got into right around Easter time uh, back in 2019. So uh, around late April, early May, uh, we finally got into our youth room. We ended up buying a number of things, but uh, we had our first Christmas in the youth room. We have a lot of firsts in our youth room. So decorating the youth room and putting up lights and putting up our tree, putting up the manger scene, all sorts of fun things just to make it feel like Christmas uh, as we're doing a whole bunch of different youth events in there. And then, of course, I meet with a number of people throughout the course of a week in my office. So I have a little tiny uh, tree that I put up on my desk here in my office where I happen to be recording right now. And I put up a number of other diff different Christmas decorations. Not many, because one of the things I do like to do is I like to show off everybody's Christmas cards. So if you send me a Christmas card, there's a good chance that it will be somewhere in my office uh, standing up there. I just like looking at the pictures. And again, it's a good reminder of just the joys of the season, the true reason we celebrate, especially when things get hectic and when things get busy. You know, it's always a good reminder to bring ourselves back to, well, why are we celebrating this? We're celebrating this because God gifted us with this great gift of his only begotten son who came to this world um, and not just as a an adult, but came as one of us in the same way that we do, um, was born of a mother uh, by the Virgin Mary. And of course, uh, all of that revolving around that and just the, the, the miraculousness of him being born in such a simple way, you know, so you get that beautiful story. Um, but it also, um, you know, one of the things that, you know, picks up, of course, is our, our Christmas schedules. We have, uh, of course, uh, all sorts of Christmas Eve masses, Christmas Day masses. Uh, right around that time, we're offering confessions at all different uh, times of the day. We're visiting our, our communion calls just to make sure that uh, they're taken care of. We are spending time uh, doing our end-of-the-year activities. So I had an end-of-the-year uh, thing for our marriage groups. So one of the hats I wear also, are I'm involved with the People before they get married, after they get married, and everything in between. Um, so uh, it's a beautiful thing to kind of be able to to talk with those groups to get uh, prepared for the next uh, sort of go around. Uh, I'm also involved with the young adults and our college students here, so trying to plan for different activities with them as well. So a lot of things that were happening, but again, always coming back to the office and being able to see those cards and to see the pictures and remind myself, all right, as busy as it gets, we want to remember what this is all about, which brings us to the Christmas season. And remembering, you know, Christmas isn't just one day, but we celebrate an octave of Christmas. So Christmas Day until the following week, so an octave meaning eight days, we celebrate eight days of Christmas where if you come to the daily mass, you'll hear the glorious uh, recited. You'll have um, all sorts of different reminders that it is indeed the Christmas season, including the readings, you know, all of the decorations are left up there. And 
but the decorations uh, are left up until the end of the Christmas season, which is actually the celebration of the baptism of the Lord, which happened to be um, not this past Sunday. So this is, of course, uh, the recording is happening on January 21st. So it was uh, the 12th. Uh, was, uh, I believe, the Sunday. I have to do my math in my head here. I don't have it right in front of me, but uh, that was the last day of the Christmas season, the celebration of the baptism of the Lord, where we focus, of course, on the fact that Jesus led us first uh, by his own example, showing us that we too need to be baptized as he baptizes us, as John points out, John the Baptist, with water in the Holy Spirit. And of course, when the priest or the deacon baptizes a child or even an adult at uh, maybe the Easter Vigil, we are all baptized with water in the Holy Spirit because the priest and the deacon stands in the person of Jesus Christ. So it's Jesus Christ who does the baptizing, which is really cool to, to think about. But um, one of the things that, uh, of course, that I enjoy doing is in the midst of all of that is being able to spend a little bit of time with family. My family is certainly well aware that I'm a parish priest, that uh, I have lots of parish responsibilities. I don't get Christmas off. In fact, I work a, a lot on Christmas. You know, I'm dead tired by the time all of the masses are over, and I most dearly want to take a nap but I have to prevent myself from doing so. I might drink something that has some caffeine in it, and I make my way usually to uh, my maternal grandparents' house, which are still alive. They're, they're, they're both alive. They, um, they're, of course, up there in age, but I uh, love spending some time with them, with the extended family, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, and just kind of kept catching up with all of them. Got a chance to stop by my parents to, to, to see them. And uh, a week before that, though, we had an opportunity as my immediate family, my my parents, my younger brother came in from Florida, my older brother and his family, he's got a wife and three kids. Uh, we all gathered together at my older brother's house and we just celebrated Christmas together. We had a meal. My mom's a wonderful cook. She cooked us a great uh, Christmas meal and we had an opportunity to uh, be able to eat together, to converse, to talk about uh, plans in the future, and uh, also, of course, to be able to open up gifts, to exchange gifts. So that's what we do. And my my nieces, I have two nieces and nephew. They're all still young. They're all still under the age of eight. So it's beautiful just to be able to see the excitement that they have for Christmas. And again, another little reminder of just the importance of Christmas, the importance of getting together. And I think, of course, they were excited for their gifts, but they were excited that everybody was together. And I know my my mom especially was really excited to have the whole family together. My dad, of course, was excited, but he's a really quiet man. So it's more a reserved excitement. But, you know, we were all pretty excited to be together, to be able to do that. And uh, you know, this year, you know, I grew up, of course, as, as I mentioned, with two brothers. So, you know, there was a lot of machismo in the household growing up. So every year it's becoming increasingly more difficult to buy gifts for the females in my life, especially my my nieces. Uh, and it's, you know, for my nephew, as he gets a little bit older, he's only a year, uh, almost two. He, he'll be two in, in April. But you know, it's it's a little bit more difficult to buy for my nieces just because this is my first time kind of doing this. Like, you know, what do you get for little girls? And uh, so I'm always 
texting with my sister-in-law and my mom, you know, what sizes are they in? What kind of things are they into? Especially my oldest niece, she's seven. She has her own style. There's certain things she likes to wear and she doesn't like to wear. And so it becomes very difficult as a celibate male priest to figure out what the heck to buy for her Um, just because she's still under that age where you can get her gift cards and get her excited to use those gift cards. But um, that might be maybe on the agenda for next year is maybe at least for her getting her some gift cards and then maybe taking her out on a little shopping trip just to see what she would like for me to buy. But up until this year, I've been buying her um, clothing, you know, usually things revolving around sports teams, the sports that she's into. She likes to play soccer and uh, things that I know other people won't buy her. So it tends to be more sporty stuff. And and I can get with that because I can go to like Dick's Sporting Goods and buy, you know, things there. And I do that for the younger one as well for the, uh, the her, her younger sister who is the, the middle child there. So I can buy her some sporting stuff too and you know, it, it works out really well just <laughs> to be able to try to buy them um, buy them things that I, I know other people won't be getting there, uh, getting them. They tend to get them girly stuff, girly clothes, which which is, of course, all needed. Getting them um, Barbie dolls. They, they like to play with those. Uh, doll houses, things revolving around that. So at least I know I'm kind of the only one kind of working on those sort of things. And of course, I always have to throw in there some sort of religious article because, well, I'm a priest. And I think it's important for them to always be reminded of the, the more important things about what Christmas is all about, you know, which revolves around the faith. And so I always try to add at least a small little thing revolving around faith. So that was my Christmas. Again, busy. It uh, was busy. Of course, we had uh, funerals right around that time. But very happy that the Christmas season is over. We're back into ordinary time simply because, you know, I, as much as I loved Christmas, I love getting into ordinary time just because it calls us through that ordinary time into that normalcy. What? How do we make ourselves saints in regular time? All right, we are on to our second segment. I'll be giving you my review, spoiler-free review, of course, as always, of the TV show, The Mandalorian. And it seems weird to call it a TV show. I know that's what it's categorized as, but uh, a TV show meaning something that, of course, is not a movie. This is a... I I think it's going to continue on as a series on Disney+. Plus. People were very excited when Disney Plus first was announced and then came out um, going all the way back to November 12th, which was a Tuesday. And one of the series that they tried to use to entice people to sign up for Disney Plus was The Mandalorian, which takes place in the Star Wars universe. And Disney just kind of reminding all of those geeks out there like myself and maybe like yourself uh, that, of course, they own Star Wars. They own the rights to Star Wars. And The Mandalorian, of course, takes place in the Star Wars universe. The Mandalorian is, of course, not a Jedi or a Sith, so he's not a wielder of lightsabers. But it covers a very important 
and intriguing part of the Star Wars universe, extended universe rather, as well. And uh, this series, of course, came out with Disney Plus going back to you're going back to uh, November 12th. And then it was released, unlike Netflix shows, in subsequent Fridays. So you're you're talking, um, you had to wait uh, each week for the next episode to come out. So there's that delayed gratification, but I enjoyed it. There was a total of eight episodes in season one, um, which was pretty, pretty nice. But um, certainly enjoyed being able to embark upon a, a journey with you know, it, kind of an unspoken uh, figure or group in Star Wars. It, it didn't really get much love. Yeah, but I always liked the lore around the Mandalorians, which went all the way back to my love of a video game that came out in the early 2000s called The Knights of the Old Republic. And that was an RPG, a story RPG. And you got a chance to uh, have a Mandalorian in your group in one of the, the two games that came out. And it kind of spoke a little bit about just the beauty of what the, you know, the diff- the beauty of the Star Wars universe, but just kind of what the Mandalorians added to it. So even though the show is called The Mandalorian, it goes into a little bit of the lore of the Mandalorians, which is, a of course, a group of people um, with a code. So what are people saying about The Mandalorian after season one? Well, it's rated an 8.8 out of 10 on the Internet Movie Database, IMDb, and 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. This has been rated very high. Uh, Even 97% of Google people um, enjoy The Mandalorian, you know, Google users that have rated this. Um, It is about, of course, as I mentioned before, a single Mandalorian um, the Mandalorians are on the ex- extinction list, so to speak. You know, they don't really—they're not very well seen in the public, but people know about them usually through stories. They're known for their armor. They're known for their helmet and not revealing their identities. They hold fast to a code. And uh, the beauty of this particular series is it goes a little bit into that without going into much of the history of the Mandalorians. And this. Mandalorian, like a lot of Mandalorians um, in this extinction list, so to speak, act as bounty hunters. So it goes through him as a bounty hunter and this unexpected surprise. Now, I am going to reveal a little bit of a spoiler just because it's been out there. Everybody's already spoiled it for you. That is at the end of episode one, you have the revelation of Baby Yoda or what people have been calling Baby Yoda. Uh, It's just the baby life form of the Yoda's race, which is pretty darn cool to see. So everybody's referring to Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda took the internet by storm, and this is the series that Baby Yoda is previewed on. And they use Baby Yoda sort of as comic relief for the series. So that is actually probably when I get into you know, one of the, some of the things that I liked about the series, that is precisely one of the things I did like was that big surprise at the end of episode one. You wondered through that whole episode, where are they going with the story? Where are they going with the story? And then finally, there was that big reveal. You know, just as he is about to claim a bounty, there is Baby Yoda. And of course, his morality, you know, where the morality of a bounty hunter usually is, let's, let's just do the job and get it over with. 
you know, he saves this Baby Yoda. So Baby Yoda is a main character in this whole series, but acts as a comic relief through the series, which is really cool. Uh, some of the other things that I loved about it, I love the CGI. Of course, you expect great CGI through Disney. Um, that they had great costuming, of course, a throwback to the costuming, but a uh, sort of a mo- modern approach to it. So it looks good. Um, that it's away from the Skywalker saga. I, I think we've just had a Skywalker saga overload, and I want them to get away from that. Star Wars universe is so vast. Get away from the Skywalker saga and just let it end. Um, it expands upon the extended universe of, of Star Wars. Okay, I, I love that. There's a lot of books. There's a lot of video games that have been on the extended universe. I'm glad that they're finally approaching that. And of course, the Baby Yoda scene. What didn't I like about it? Well, it seems like the Mandalorian always gets himself beat up in every episode. It, like he's not very good at what he does. It would seem um, the season seemed very short at times. You don't get much of a background on who the Mandalorians were. Um, and when it comes to the morality, you know. Duty versus dignity. You had this big play. You know, does he do this? Does he do that? It's duty versus dignity. And then, um, of course, what is my final rating? Um, I agree with most people. I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10 simply because it's one of the best TV shows that I've seen in the last decade. And for our final and third segment, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, politics. I usually don't talk about politics too much, but it has been in the forefront of the news within the last month. Of course, everybody can hearken back to uh, when you know the beginning of the impeachment trial um, of uh, President uh, Trump. And I shouldn't call it trial. Just because uh, the trial doesn't happen in the uh, the House of Representatives, it happens in the Senate, which it's currently at. But uh, it's, it's sort of um, the charges are brought up in the House of Representatives, and the one party has been talking about impeachment basically before the the man was even um, installed into office. You know, you can get clips going all the way back to uh, you know that lame duck period. You know, uh, between the election in November of 2016 until January of 2017 when he was finally installed as the uh, the president of the United States. But uh, you you have a number of politicians who were talking about impeachment going all the way back then, and it's just it's terrible just because it's. It's not what uh, the country has been all about. You know, I know a number of people that didn't vote for Trump are, of course, ecstatic um, about uh, the impeachment process. But um, most of us who kind of consider ourselves moderates, uh, you know, I, I don't ally myself with any political party, but it just it seems like it was reaching, you know, like you're reaching for, for straws. You're, you're just trying to do something. And, you know, any any of the things that they tried to charge, they tried to bring against him just seemed very far-fetched. I mean, they didn't have any very good evidence. It, it just, we've all read the transcripts. It just didn't seem anything terrible. And, you know, if you wanted to say that his conversation with the president of Ukraine was, was terrible, um, you know, Think about all the other things that the previous presidents have done, you know, and why did his transcript as the president of the United States, who was, um, you know, dutifully elected, why does he have to release his transcripts 
Um, he doesn't owe us any of that. You know, just as President Obama didn't owe us any, you know, personal conversations he had with uh, politicians or, or leaders of other nations. Neither did uh, President George W. Bush, going back to uh, Bill Clinton, George Bush won, uh, Ronald Reagan. You, you can keep going back. You know, the, none of the presidents owed us any of that, but why does suddenly he owe us this? You know, again, grasping for straws. So it just seems like with a group of people, this president can't do anything right. And there's, of course, a group of people that he can't do anything wrong. Um, but it seems like it's a, a very divided uh, political scheme right now. And I think that the most disheartening thing is that the only people who lost in this situation was the people of the United States. Just because our politicians, especially the Congress, should be doing things in office to help the people, to represent the people, to legislate, but yet they're spending all of our resources, it seems, into this impeachment scam, not just their salaries, but all of the resources that they're putting, the money, the funding that they're putting towards towards all of this. It's just, I think it's driving a lot of us nuts. And uh, I I can't wait to see what happens in November, um, not with necessarily with the presidential election, but looking at Congress, just, you know, who's actually going to be reelected um, come reelection time, just because... I think a lot of people are getting fed up with that stuff. It just seems like Congress is, really isn't working. Like literally, literally, they're not working. Like all of their focus seems to be focused on this. You know, God bless the Supreme Court. It seems like they're actually doing things. Um, the, the executive office, despite um, you know what people are doing, are saying you know uh, President Trump continues to work. He working working on trade deals. Um, you know, our economy. Uh, you know, we we're on a down stock market day, but the economy continues to uh, to do well. Uh, most people's um, retirement funds and all that stuff look great. You know, he's uh, doing great things in the trade market, uh, trying to get. Uh, you know, um, America, a fair deal uh, when it comes to just, you know, our public sphere. So, you know, we have all of that going on. And then, of course, um, you know, the whole situation of the bombing, you know, you never want to hear about uh, bombings, but uh, the bombing in Iran and um, everything revolving around that, people thinking and going crazy saying, this is going to be World War Three, And then everything, of course, blew over, you know, and it just... Let, let the man do his job. <laughs> I hate to put it that way, but just let the man do his job. You know, if you don't agree with what he's doing, then make sure you go to the polls, you know, make sure you, you vote. And it's as simple as something is that, but you know, everything that's kind of been going on in politics and trying to pander to, to party and to voters and to, to all sorts of different things. It's just been crazy. I, I don't know of any other time in my lifetime when this has just been so highly heated, you know, people used to be able to converse with each other when it came to disagreements in politics, but it seems like, you know, nobody's really listening to each other anymore. And it, you could even, in the, some of the trial stuff, and I, I would tune in from time to time, um, I shouldn't say, again, trial, I, I got to stop using that vocabulary, but like what was happening in the House when they were looking to, um, to send the articles of impeachment over to uh, the Senate, it, it was all about um, one party saying they're, they're due and then another party saying they're due. And they, nobody was listening to each other. And, of course, when it came to the vote, it was divided down party lines with the exception of, I think there were three House of Representatives, one voted present, one and two of them voted uh, no to impeachment, which was interesting. And the two that voted no to impeachment, 
Um, one of them actually changed parties just because it, it, you know this is this has been a scam from the beginning. I can't I can't deal with this. Like again, going back to the whole, we should be working for the people of the United States as opposed to you know, doing following our own personal agendas, which is <laughs> let's just um, pander to political action groups. So you know, in these moments, it feels helpless sometimes as citizens, but that's why it's most important to do two things. One, make sure you vote. Two, make sure you pray. <laughs> make sure you pray. Um, pray. Pray for everybody. Pray for pray for the um, all all those who act as political leaders, not just the ones that you agree with, but pray for those you don't agree with. You know, everybody needs our prayers, um, especially people that are put in big areas of responsibility like this. My brothers and sisters, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Burning Strength Show. Hope to come back to you soon with episode 112. And may God bless you in the week ahead of you.